What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. I haven't forgotten about the Reddit thread responses. Uh, I was actually thinking about that today. Um, I haven't had time to sit down and kind of write some stuff out. Uh, I want to make sure I get all the thoughts in the order that I want to get them out in uh, on um, particularly the bad chiefs or the what's perceived to be, uh, et cetera. That, that one is the biggest one that I want to, I want to respond to, um, to kind of get the perspective of the mess out there. Uh, mine will vary from others. Uh, but I, it's, I think it's important that I do that based on, uh, some of the conversations I had during that, uh, thread and the feedback that I got, I think I told everybody that I would do it. And I, I just want everybody to know I haven't lost track of that. Um, I'm not quite ready to do that today. What I am going to talk about is understanding that, and I've talked before about the the perspective from junior to senior, from anybody to anyone that's in a leadership position, the impression uh, that you have or that you make uh, on your subordinates, peers, and seniors, right? But especially for your subordinates, what the way that they look at you, the responsibility that you have as a leader to those people. Uh, and and what I, when I say responsibility, I'm talking about like you're being looked at all the time and you're, you're looked at in a certain way. There are expectations, not just from the people evaluating you formally, but the people evaluating you on like whether or not they want to follow you, whether or not they trust you to lead them. And one of the responsibilities there is is never ever taking anything away from them. And that includes the trust that you've presumably spent a significant amount of time building. And where I'm going with this is today I watched a conversation happen in the Chiefs quarters and it was it was pretty disturbing and and I think that one of the reasons it went the way it did was because there was a bunch of other chiefs in the room and it felt like they needed to respond in a certain way because people were watching. That's kind of what I think happened. I wanted to let the guy that did it calm down before I had that conversation with him. And and I did make sure that uh, I sent the kids LPO to go kind of find them and put the pieces back together. Um, But basically what happened is a junior sailor came in asking a question basically for like for permission to do some stuff. And, um, and he, he was confronted with a bunch of questions like, Hey, why do you want to do this? Uh, do you have a plan? Have you asked yourself these questions, right? There's a bunch of chiefs, a bunch of old guys in the chiefs quarters that had gone through the same thing. And they were asking questions like, Hey, you know, ge- genuine concern, which is what was conveyed to the sailor. Cause he's, he actually said at one point after he'd been in there for a while, I actually left ate lunch and came back and he was still in there. Um, and he told me he kind of felt like he was being told he was stupid that he hadn't thought about all these things. I'm like, not at all, man. Like we all, we have a lot more life experience than you and we're genuinely concerned that you could find yourself in a bad spot. So we're just trying to, to make sure that you you've checked all these boxes and that you've thought about all these things and that you understand the consequences of the decision you're about to make. So that had all happened. Uh, his chief had left and came back in and, uh, and he, I asked him a question, like a follow-up question, uh, about like, Hey, have you, did you talk to your chief about this thing? Because basically the sailor said, I wouldn't, 
I couldn't get the an outside organization to do a thing because when I talked to them, they said no. I'm like, yeah, but there's a difference between you talking to them and your senior chief talking to them. There's things are waverable, and if he goes and engages, uh, it, it could be you could get a different result. Like uh, that, that's just the way the world works. So uh, he worded something I think poorly. I don't, I don't think he meant it the way that it came out of his mouth, but he basically said that support didn't exist before I walked in here and asked to do this. Um, and his senior chief got fired up, uh, because like he, he basically said he hadn't, uh, talked to him and the sailor said he had, but not in this context, I guess. And so it turned into like a, the senior chief thought that he was being, uh, told that he didn't help a sailor. Like, and he got told this in front of a room full of chiefs that shouldn't matter but we're human and we all have egos. And I think it did. And I think that's what got him spun up. He's basically like, like, and, and there's some other history with this sailor in particular that the command and this chief has gone way above and beyond to like bend over backwards to take care of this guy, all factual. And that's kind of what the senior chief said, but he lost his cool. Uh, and he said something to the effect of F you like directly. Yeah, like, this is a very, clear bright red line for me between uh when you're when you get to the point where you're raising your voice and you're dispensing accountability that you don't go on the other side of the personal like attack line where it's like there I'm going to talk about the thing you did wrong and the accountability and why it hurt us as an organization and and your professional development and everything else but I am not going to personally attack anyone ever and I've succeeded in that for a long time. I'm not saying I've never done it, but when I was a junior uh, immature leader, I definitely have done that. Um, but I've I've gotten very good at understanding that that's not something, A, I ever wanted to do because I've experienced it myself as a junior sailor, and, and B, that it's, it's not appropriate in that you lose so much credibility and trust. Uh, you can't press the undo button like there's no take backs. We're not, you can't get that one back. As soon as that leaves your lips, it's there forever. That scar is there forever. And I'm speaking from very recent experience. Not that I got emotional about it or anything, but I, I had a, a, it was, I mean, recently, like pretty recently, it was, a, it was probably two years ago. Uh, I had just requalified a watch on a new platform. Uh, first watch ever underway. And I got an order that based on my prior experience in the swatch station, but I'd never experienced anything on this platform of submarine except just requalifying. And I had been in the trainer a few times. I got an order to do something that sounded not correct. (laughs) And so I questioned it. I challenged the order and said, you know, I asked the, uh, I tried to ask the person that gave it to me. They were across the the control room. So I, I asked someone nearby. Hey, is what does that mean? Is that the correct order? Like, does he want me to do this? Or like, cause he basically told me to do something to secure a piece of equipment I couldn't secure, uh, and then do something else. And normally th- that's done over where you can actually control a piece of equipment. And then I do the thing that I can do. So, uh, I challenged the order twice, right? I tried to challenge it across control room. I challenged it to a guy sitting next to me and then I challenged it. So basically I had like one supervisor above me and I challenged it to him and he said, no, you're like, you're fine. You were given the order, do it. And I said, okay. 
So then I did it and turns out that they weren't ready. They hadn't done the thing they were supposed to do with the equipment at the place that they can control it and started freaking out, yelling, stop, stop, stop. So I did. I stopped. Um, Nothing terrible happened. Thank God. Like I could have broke some equipment if we had continued, but we recognize it. And then uh, my CEO walked in and basically what transpired was he jumped to a bunch of conclusions because he was upset, which I get it. We're Pete. We're humans. We all have uh, emotions that we sometimes we can't control. Sometimes we can't. But as leaders, like in this position in particular, it, even if you were going to go down this road, like get me relieved and we'll go somewhere private and then you can melt my face off. Like if that's what we're doing, do it somewhere else. But uh, he proceeded to berate me in the control room in front of a whole bunch of people, a lot of which were junior people. Uh, and he said, F you, senior chief, F you, and then walked out. Uh, and he was that upset with me in particular because he assumed that I didn't challenge that order and that I had just blindly followed what I knew to be a screwed up order. And as a result of that, I had almost damaged equipment. It's not what happened, but he didn't ask any questions, so he didn't know that. Uh, turns out when we critiqued it later, he found that out. Uh, I never got apologized to. I don't need it. I'm a, I'm a grown up. I got thick skin. I've been doing this a really long time. But I lost a lot of respect for that leader, and I never forgot about it as evidence by the fact that I just repeated the story, right? But it's you lose so much trust and credibility when you do that because every time it's like you do that, and then even if you're a good leader most of the time, like like 99% of the time you're doing it all right, right? You start to build it back up, build it back up. And and maybe you build up some credibility and trust with that person again, and then you do it again, right? And, and then it all goes away again. And it gets more and more and more difficult to rebuild from there. And eventually, you're not going to be able to. Eventually, these very intelligent, high-functioning sailors are just never going to trust you. You're going to become a used car salesman to them. Everything that comes out of your mouth is false. That, oh, yeah, he's saying all these things, and this is what you should do, and you should take these things seriously and do a great job and support the organization and yada, yada, yada. Until he's mad at you, then he's just going to destroy you and personally attack you because he's a bad person, and he shouldn't be trusted. And that's what you're sacrificing. When you go down that road, when you cross the big, bright red line of going from just talking about the deficiency, talking about, you know, why the deficiency was done, you can go down the line of, of, of thinking why, like, what was the decision making tree that that you navigated to get to this place? All that you could have damaged equipment, you could have hurt personnel, you could have done all these other things. You, you always have, and this is why I think I've been able to succeed at this is you always default back to their people. They're people that volunteered to be here and they're people that volunteered to be here because they wanted to be a part of something greater than themselves. There's not a single one of these people that that show up wanting to suck at their job or wanting to be a burden on the organization or do something wrong that's going to break equipment and hurt personnel. No one does that. They might, through a series of poor leadership and traumatizing experiences and and. I I could probably think of some other examples, but some trauma or just a poor track record of a command's leadership developing and taking care of the sailor, they can arrive at a place where they're bitter and jaded and they might go do something stupid like that where because they think they're like getting back at you. But it's a response to an input. So when you find yourself in a situation like that, like people misspeak. Or if they if they say it in a certain way, there's probably a reason for that. 
Maybe you're forgetting it and you didn't engage with that sailor. Maybe uh, they misspoke and used poorly selected words or verbiage. Maybe they are immature and they, you know, were kind of mad in the moment or got a little emotional, like didn't think it through. Maybe they were nervous because they were in the chief's quarters and had like eight chiefs and senior chiefs staring at them. And this guy was an E4, like maybe he was just nervous and he just verbal diarrhea everywhere. Who knows? There's a a thousand different reasons why that conversation could have went the way that it did. But regardless of of the decision tree that goes on inside your mind, where you decide how you're going to deal with the things that come out of that sailor's mouth, it's incredibly petty and immature to start destroying a sailor and personally attacking them for some kind of response or feedback that came out of their mouth, even if they're being petty and immature, right? You've got to, when I was at the A school, man, so many DRBs where I wanted to come across the table and put my hands on somebody, but I didn't, and I didn't personally attack them either. And it's super hard. Sometimes we get emotional. Uh, We get emotional because I'm emotionally invested in your success. I'm very protective of my staff and my students in that scenario or of all my sailors and my officers and my chiefs on board the ship, right? I'm very protective of them. So if somebody like does something that is it's neglect or it's it's a poor decision or whatever that endangers equipment and personnel, yeah, I'm going to be pretty passionate when we have that conversation. But regardless, big, red, bright, glaring line that you do not cross when you're going into personally attacking someone because you didn't just lose credibility with that sailor, right? You lost credibility with the chiefs in that room. I promise you that. That was too much. And I think he recognized it. And again, like I said, letting him calm down and think about it tonight. And then I'm going to mention it to him tomorrow. We're going to have that conversation. Just be like, hey, how do you feel about that now that you've slept on it? You know, and do you think that was the right answer? And maybe you should probably go apologize to that kid for dealing with it in that way and then explain to him why you were so fired up. But as it happens, we're human, right? And that's how you recover from it. If, if you're questioning that in your head, like, okay, so I did it and I'm in this position where I shot myself in the foot, you know, f- foot is fully inserted in the mouth. How do I get it out and recover from this? That's how you recover from it. But then, right, after making the apology happen, right, after after repairing that, you you apologize, you explain yourself, and then you don't do it again, because that's what where people slip is like, okay, yeah, so I, I did it and then I'm gonna go apologize and then in a week I'm gonna do the same thing. You can't you can't do that. Do you the, the first step in recovering from a mistake like this, and you're probably gonna make it. I did, probably more than once, and then I matured as a leader, but you can't it can't be a cycle. It can't be a constantly occurring cycle that you think that it's okay to lose your cool like this and then just put the band-aid on it, say, say you're sorry, and then keep it moving, and then do it again, and then do it again, and then do it again. And a lot of people don't even apologize because pride is a mother, right? Like you can't you can't do these things and expect a prideful, egotistical person, which we all are to a degree, to just apologize and be super humble about it and genuine and then never do it again, right? It's a developmental thing. It's a it's a maturation process. You're not just going to be able to do this because I'm saying it in, into a microphone. You're going to have to think about it and you're going to have to like analyze it in your head and make a conscious effort every day to never, ever go near that line, right? You just can't. And you have to think about the experiences you you, you had to have had 
right? And, and I'm pretty old. Like RDCs talk to us differently in 2000 or like the very beginning of 2002. We got talked to a lot differently than I'm sure they probably do uh, at RTC now. I could be wrong about that, but I doubt it. Uh, and then a school, like, I mean, I remember the, the, how surprised I was to have the number of conversations I had about sensitivity to certain words and cursing and stuff like that when I was qualifying as an instructor. So it, it was very different. Like, cause when I went to a school, it was the wild West. They could say whatever they wanted. Like they, there was some crazy stuff said by staff members, uh, at my a school. And then uh, of course RDC. So understand that your words hold so much power, right? Like they mean so much coming from you to them, that path that that communication travels between you and your juniors, they look at you like you're a freaking superhero. I like, I don't know if everyone thinks about it in that way. And the, the moment where that became clear to me was when I became an A school instructor and I stood in front of a, a room full of brand new, you know, initial session sailors and just saw the look on their face when Chief walked in and had all my, you know, my, I, we were wearing khakis, so like I had my ribbons on and, you know, my warfare pins and they're like, oh, oh my, like they all want to be that. They're all still in that initial training, hoo like coming out of their pores, that initial phase where they're still asking all the questions, big doe-eyed, like they want to be the, where you are. They want to know how you got to where you are, uh, the things you had to do. They want to hear all your sea stories, right? I didn't realize how I was viewed until I did that. When I stood in front of a group of those sailors, it hit me like a ton of bricks that, oh my God, like they're looking at me like I'm a freaking superhero. And then to go from them to the staff, it's like, I kind of, I'd stand in front of them at quarters and I was kind of like, it wasn't exactly the same, but it was still there, right? I still recognized it on their face when I had conversations with them and I'm like, this has been happening the whole time. Like ever, ever since I put on anchors and probably even before that, when I was, you know, an LPO first class, like they're looking at me like I'm a freaking superhero. And it freaked me out at first. Cause that's a lot of responsibility, man. Like it made me nervous and I like, didn't know, I didn't know how I felt about it. And then, I mean, you know, you get to a point where you understand it, you embrace it. I mean, I, you can't escape it as you progress in this career field. Uh, when you're in a leadership position, that's how they're going to look at you, especially when you enter the chief's mess. The the responsibility that comes along with that uniform color shift and putting those anchors on like that, you you are carrying the weight and the reputation of the of the organization, right? Of the chief's mess. Like everybody has encountered a bunch of chiefs before they got to you and they're expecting you to kind of fall in line and behave in the, in the manner they've come to expect, good or bad. And, and so you either need to continue to uphold that standard or reshape their uh, idea of what a chief is if they experience poor ones. Uh, and that's the responsibility that you have. And, and regardless, I'm telling you right now, they're looking at you through that lens, right? Whether it got cloudy because they encountered negative leaders or not, they're looking at you through that lens, like that they've got you up on a pedestal. So whether you're rebuilding that trust or whether you're building that trust uh, initially, understand how big of a deal it is. If you lose that trust, they will not follow you. Like they'll, they'll do the bare minimum required to earn their paycheck, but they're not going to follow you. They're not going to trust you. They're not going to believe in you. You're not going to get anything done besides a bare minimum required to punch the clock and go home. And there's not going to be anything you can do about it if you burn that bridge. If you go through a process, whether it's this example or not, where you destroy that trust, I mean, it, 
you got you got to recognize it early, repair it, and then progress from there. But if you find yourself in a position where you, you're destroying that trust on a regular basis or you have destroyed it, it's really hard to claw your way out of that hole, uh, especially if you've done it and it's been cyclical, right? You've been doing it for a long time. They've, they've been conditioned to not trust you. They've been conditioned to not believe anything that you say. They can't go to you for help. They can't trust you to do any of the things they need done, whether it's route a leaf chit or help them with some problem they got at home, and they're going to stop coming to you with those problems. You're going to find out when they get arrested, or you're going to find out when somebody's in the hospital uh, and they don't show up to work because it was more important to them to be at the hospital, right? They're going to just stop telling you things. They're going to stop believing in you. They're going to stop following orders. It's going to degrade very quickly. And you're going to find yourself in this position, and a lot of people, being prideful, having egos, are going to be sitting there like, I have no idea what's what's happening. Why is everything going so wrong? Like, And I've talked to young chiefs especially that find themselves in that position, and they're just like, I don't know what to do. I have no idea why these people aren't listening to, any, listening to me anymore, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like... Uh, from the outside looking in, having gone through this maturation process, understanding that you can't do those things, it's it's super obvious to me what's going wrong, and it's super obvious when you talk to those junior sailors, but the leader is just bamboozled, and a lot of times, that's what it is. It's like if they, if they don't trust you, and they're not following your orders, right, it's either something you did or something your predecessor did, and you're going to have to rebuild from there, right, because... And I just talked to a guy, uh, sent me an email. Uh, I actually still have to respond. I'll respond as soon as I'm done with this. But uh, talking about how every chief is a chief, right? Like to, to a junior sailor, like there's the line where, you know, oh, that's not a chief. That's not, that's an E7. Um, it viewed as us kind of shirking the responsibility of holding that person accountable. It's not exactly right, but it, but it kind of is. And it's kind of reshaped my opinion of that phrase. Uh, I've kind of stopped using it to be honest. Um, but it was, it was basically him saying from, from our vantage point, a chief is a chief is a chief, right? So if they see one, it's all the same. So if you, if you walk into a situation and they had a, a crap chief that you are replacing and are now stuck with a division that doesn't trust chiefs because we're all the same, like you're just another, iteration of a crappy chief to them they're just assuming that that's what they're getting right especially if they've had more than one god that's so hard to overcome but it's you can through your actions right because that's what that's what's kind of interesting about this is is you can say a thing right so like if you if you find yourself in a position where you have burned the trust to the ground and you've consistently like said one thing and done another it's going to be really hard if not impossible to recover from that but if either you have screwed up once maybe twice and have repaired it the way that you need to and are, are trying to rebuild from there you're gonna get there right or if you're recovering from negative leadership prior to your arrival and they don't trust chiefs because the last one or two were terrible and now they got it it's just another guy saying the same things oh yeah you're totally gonna overhaul everything and make everything better and you want our input and want to hear how we can make the division better yeah sure whatever like you're not gonna listen to us anyway and and you, you're getting that kind of response and, and that kind of an attitude just keep plugging away but show them through your actions right it's it's easy to say things out loud I got a lot of leaders that tell me things. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I got junior sailors at, at either disciplinary review boards or mentorship sessions or whatever saying, oh yeah, I want to do this or I'm going to do this. And then they don't follow through with it because it's hard, right? It's easy to say you're going to do a thing. 
It's very easy to say you're going to do a thing. It's even easier to continually say all these things that you believe in and all these things that people that work for you should do and then never living any of it, never following through with any of it. If, if, if it's not important to you, it's not going to be important to me. So if you tell me it's super important to drag this sandbag from point A to point B, but you're never around when I'm dragging the sandbag. You never check on my progress. You never ask me how it went. You never ask me, was it hard? You never ask me if there's anything you can do to make dragging or moving that sandbag easier. You never ask me what, like if I want to know why the sandbag needs to be moved from point A to point B or never take the time to explain to me why it's important so that I can at least have some kind of motivation for doing it. Nothing. You never thank me for doing it. You never tell me I did a great job moving that sandbag. If you don't care, I don't care. So if that's how you treat it, you sit up there in front of the group, you talk about how important it is to move it, and then never have any follow-through or ownership of that process at all, I'm going to do a really crappy, unmotivated job of slowly plodding away at moving that sandbag. If it gets moved, it gets moved. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You're not around anyway, you know? So they're not going to take ownership of that process. They're not going to invest in it. They're not going to work hard, and they're not going to trust you. So if you never, ever take any ownership of anything, if you never are around and following through with any of those things, then they're not going to trust you. If you say that you want their input and you say you want to make the, the division and the work center better and you say all these things are important to you and then you're around when they're doing maintenance and you're asking them questions while they're doing the maintenance and you're training them on how to do things and you're asking them how their day went and how it felt to complete that maintenance item successfully for the first time or or you ask them, is there anything we could have done to make this process better or easier? And then the, the when you finally get somebody that puts up some input and says, well, I think we can make this process better by doing this. If you latch onto it and actually take that on board and then do it, follow through, say, all right, Seaman Timmy, this was your idea. Let's do it. You're running it. You know, and this is how we're going to do it this time and see how it goes. And then we'll talk about it after. If you, if you do that, if you actually follow through, it's, it's only going to take a few times of doing that before everybody's like, this guy's not full of it. Let's give him a shot. And they're not going to, it's not going to be a conscious decision or like a conversation. They're just going to start having a little bit of faith in you. And then that little bit of faith, you're going to, you're going to feed that and keep going and keep doing the same things. And it's just going to grow and grow and grow as more and more people start to buy in. And then eventually you're going to have the trust and the rapport with those guys and those girls. And they're going to start doing the things that you want them to do and following you and trusting you as a leader. And you're not going to find yourself in this position. But when I saw that happen, I immediately just like, oh, like it was, I felt pain for this chief when that came out of his mouth. Cause I was just like, oh, you can't take that back. Like that kid's going to remember that forever. Even if you go apologize, they're going to remember it forever. They're also going to remember forever that you humbled yourself and came and apologized and explained how you got to that point and just, you know, and totally owned it and apologized, which is going to help a lot. But they will never forget that you did that, ever. It's just what it is. So it's so important that you never, ever go down that road. And I know it's hard. I mean, I know there are sailors out there that just drive leaders mad. I know there are sailors out there that do all this crazy stuff. And it's just like you, you, your head is like going to explode from trying to contain the rage. Like I get it. I've experienced it, but as I've gotten older and more experienced in this game, it's just that 
There's no such thing as a lost cause. There's a reason for all of it. You start to try to find out what the root cause is. Why are they behaving this way? Why are they doing this thing? And more often than not, it, and it might take forever, might be a slow plod. You might only recover the sailor back to a like a really low ceiling. And then maybe over time, they'll kind of get it together and progress. But like you can't you can do it and it's worth doing. And you need to take the time to do that. But you also need to be very, very careful to not be the problem. Like, don't be the the person that creates that sailor that's driving you so nuts. Because that's what you do when you do things like this. When you treat a human being that way, regardless of it, of all the caveats that I talked about previously, that that both of you like had all these like mitigating factors, emotion and, and immaturity and and uh, all the people were watching and there's a lot of pressure and there's all this stuff. There's all these things going on and th- that's great. There was a lot of mitigators there. There's a lot of reasons why we ended up in that position we were in, but we still ended up there and you still did that thing and that sailor will still never forget it ever. And you as a leader need that sailor as a follower to follow you. That's the end game. You need them to follow you. You need them to trust you so that you can professionally and personally develop that sailor into your replacement. And if that's not your main goal, 100% of the time, you're wrong. So regardless of all the reasons why we ended up in that position, there is no reason to ever, ever do that. And they're never going to forget it if you do. So recover from it, do the things that you need to, to get it back on track and then never, ever, 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 ever do it again. And again, we're human. We make mistakes. Maybe you find it twice, but like, you got to be vigilant. You got to be really, really careful with this stuff. Uh, you know, I'm as always, I'm interested to hear you guys' stories and feedback in this vein, of course, because I know this is a thing that, and, and this is going to be a really great segue to the me talking about chiefs who, I mean, I got so many stories from that Reddit thread that were kind of in this vein where a chief did something to benefit themselves at the expense of a sailor or somebody talked to a sailor in a certain way or uh, I talked to one of my prior students uh, recently where a, a chief basically tried to like hook up with them, like almost like solicit like a, a sexual relationship with them. Like it, it's crazy. Like the, these things happen. There are some crappy people uh, doing this for a living, but uh, there are also the misinterpretations of immature developing leaders. So we'll, we'll talk about all that. And I'm not going to spend as much time on that as I am about uh, the negative, like the no no joke, bad leaders or bad humans, which those are different. And we'll make that distinction, but um, we'll talk about that in the next one. And that, it'll be a great segue though, to, to talk about that because this is in that vein where this is how we get to a point where sailors are not trusting the chief's mess. This is how we end up there. Uh, you, you think that you can have that type of a conversation. You can't, you think you can be a screamer all the time. You can't, uh, you think you can completely discount all of their input and not allow them any ownership in the process because you went through all this pain to get to where you are now and now you're going to micromanage everything and make all the decisions? You, you can't. Uh, if you want sailors to believe in believe in you, believe in the process, take ownership and follow you and, and really propel the mission towards accomplishment, it's just not the way that you get it done. And that's why we lose so many bright, high-functioning sailors is because we treat them like they're children. Uh, we act like they can't be trusted you know, like they, they, and then, and then we do things like this where we just destroy any trust that they have in us. Um, and then that becomes a burden that all the other chiefs have to carry. And that's what we're going to talk about next time. But, uh, again, feedback, questions, comments, concerns, hit me up. Don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook, Facebook message me, excuse me, at don't give up the ship podcast, or you can DM me on Instagram at D guts podcast. I'll get back to you as soon as I possibly can. And again, 
it, it's kind of I, I posted something on Facebook today about being nice <laughs> or well it was Instagram and Facebook uh, just like you can't demean people you can't put yourself in that position as a leader and not and no one should be doing it honestly like and this isn't me being kinder gentler and huggy and stuff like that it's that's not the case it's just good leadership it's not something that you're, you're never going to find yourself in a position i was just reading a book recently where you're never going to find yourself in a position where this stuff is going to be beneficial um i'm reading a book called um it's about adam brown i can't remember the name of it um adam brown's a navy seal got injured what ended up on seal team six with like one functioning eye and a, and a tore up hand and incredible story. Uh, he was a, a drug addict, uh, when he was younger and he recovered and joined the Navy and then made it through seal training and ended up on seal team six. Uh, and then he was killed, uh, in Afghanistan. But anyway, so in, in the book they talk and, I, and I've heard this a lot. I, I listen to podcasts and read a lot of books related to, to different, uh, special warfare communities and stuff. Uh, there's just a lot of really great leadership material out there from from that community. But I hear a lot about the stuff um, that happens to new guys when they get to a SEAL team. Uh, and it's just like garden variety, like not hazing. It's not the right word. It's not that extreme generally. It's just like they do like crap jobs, like taking out the trash and like uh, carrying all the heavy stuff and painting and, and just stuff like that. Um, and there's a story about how they do that. And there, I mean, there was more like hazing style stuff like back in the nineties. Um, just like there was like when I first joined the submarine community was much different than it is now. And that's another story for another time when I was coming up and earning my dolphins, it was different. Um, but the stuff that happened to him and, and they tell some of the stories that what happened to him when he was a new guy, uh, there's when they get to the point, uh, at which Adam Brown is killed, they talk about, uh, a guy is taught relaying stories about when he was a new guy and Adam was a senior guy on the team uh, that he never treated him like that. Like when he was coming around cause he had been told to take out all the trash, Adam would like get his own trash. So let me get that for you, man. And he'd like take it out. And it was like super crazy that a senior guy would do that. Like didn't make any sense. And he was just like, thought he was being set up like to, to like dump it on his head or something. And it's like, no, like that's just the guy that he was. Right. And that jumped out at me when I read it the other day was, was the fact that he just got that, that he was just such a good dude and, and understood it inherently as a leader that you can't treat people like that and expect them to follow you. You can't treat people like that and expect them to trust you. Uh, it understood that that particular example was kind of like an accepted part of the culture, uh, which I, I, again, I can relate to like in the submarine community when I, when I was coming up and getting my dolphins, there was a lot of that crap that went on. Um, it, you can't do those things and expect people to take you seriously, to trust you and to follow you. And so a really powerful example when I was reading it the other day that, and it stuck with that person that like he was the only senior guy that ever treated him like that. And it meant so much to him and he looked up to him and held him in such high regard as a result of that. So that's an example of doing it the right way and the effect that it can have. Um, so, you know, I encourage you guys to, to, kind of live by that you there are no take backs you can't if it comes out of your mouth it's over that scar is there forever you can't undo it you can try to repair it uh generally you'll be successful if you're genuinely trying and you're being genuine about it but um just be really really careful about crossing that line guys uh that's it that's what i got for you today thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. 